think that as we, uh, we do this, as we as a church come together and, and read scripture, I can only anticipate great things happening because there is power in the word of God. And so really looking forward to see what God's going to do through this church as, as we collectively read his word. And I think it's appropriate that as we start off this new year with a new series, that we would start with the first story. That just seems like that's where we should start. Well, you know this first story, right? What came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, no, that's not really that's, that's not really the first story. And, and yes, I, I would agree, it's got to be the chicken. But that's really not the first story. It really isn't. Of course, the first story is creation. And I think when we, we look at trying to figure out chicken, egg, which is first, I think we focus rather on the method or the order, and we really miss what the greater point is. Our writer on the subject of creation noted, he said, as this, or as you might imagine, many views have been presented over the years on the uh, subject of creation. He writes, some scholars note that the creation story is more concerned with the who and the why than the what and the how. And following this line of thought, they suggest that the biblical account is a poetic summary of an elaborate series of scientific developments. Literalists, on the other hand, would disagree. They argue that events took place exactly as the biblical text describes. In between, there are those who point out that God would use evolution as his method of creation. And then finally, secular evolutionists leave God out of the picture altogether. Well, I must say, as I studied the account of creation, did a lot of reading on it, I align with the first camp. I do believe that the creation story is more concerned with the who and the why than the what and the how. And that the line of thought that the account is a poetic summary of an elaborate series of scientific developments appears to be the best fit as long as we remember the who did the scientific developments. But as you look at, and, and I hope you read Genesis chapter 1 and 2 this week, you probably noticed that as you did so, the pieces don't quite fit together. It might have left you wondering, did vegetation come first or did man? Or as you read this week, maybe you wondered what was it that separated light from dark on day one of creation if the sun and the moon were not visible until day four? Or pondered as a day in creation came to be, was it literally 24 hours or was it a period of time? And those are all great questions. I think it stimulates our minds. It gets us digging in a little deeper. But I don't believe that that's really what Moses' objective was in recording the creation account. I'd like to suggest that the creation account was intended to first and foremost point to the persons, a.k.a. the creator. 
and in pointing to the persons, the creator, we also understand the purpose, the pinnacle, and the partnership. And so that's what we're going to look at today. The persons, the purpose, the pinnacle, and the partnership. So before we get into the scriptures this morning, we're going to start in the beginning with Genesis 1.1. Let's just take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We see that your word all points to you. And so as we read this morning, as we study, as we understand further about you because of uh, your word, Lord, we just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to what it is that you would have us to take away. Lord, whether it be a new, renewed appreciation for you and your creation, or whether it be a first-time realization that you are the creator and the author of it all, or whether we're somewhere in between this morning, Lord, we just pray that you would speak to each of our hearts, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Well, I do believe, again, that the first and main point that Moses had in recording the creation account was to point us to the who, the persons. And he starts right off in, in the first verse of chapter 1 with telling us who the who is. So chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. He called into existence matter and substance that had no prior existence. He started it all. And why I say persons is because the whole fullness of God, the Godhead, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit was involved in creation. Genesis continues on in verse 2. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. The Holy Spirit was preserving and preparing it for God's further activity. That was what he was doing as he was hovering over the water, preparing it for God's further creative activity. The Spirit which can also be translated breath or wind, which we see further in the creation account. If you got into chapter 2, you see it in verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. The Holy Spirit was actively involved in creation. But we also know that the Son was actively involved as well. God said... God said. That's the word of God going forth. And who is the word of God? Jesus, the Son of God, is the word of God. Chapter 1 of, of the, the Gospel, John, starting with verse 1, says, In the beginning the word already existed. The word was with God. The word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And, of course, there was power, as we just sang about, power in his word. And so as his word went forth, creation happened. Continuing on with verse 3, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. 
The word gave life to everything that was created. The Apostle Paul goes on to affirm this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, that by Christ, the Son of God, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, all things were created by him and for him. God is the creator of all things, and he was revealing himself through creation. Turning to our companion book, I should have mentioned this earlier in case you haven't been here. Uh, the, we're going to be using this as, as a companion book. It's kind of the framework um, with scripture as the foundation of our series. If you've not picked up a book, encourage you to, to speak with me. There are a few left. Maybe as we uh, pull some of the reading from it this morning, um, it'll intrigue you and you'll want to kind of get engaged with it. So I encourage you um, to touch base with me after service. But in turning to our companion book this morning, the author uh, Turner writes this. He says, this God revealed, but not debt, but definitely not contained in the Bible was has always existed and will always exist. He exists as a communion of three persons, infinite, personal, triune, transcendent, and imminent, all at the same time. It is from this eternal community of oneness that everything that exists is spoken into existence. It is from this eternal community of oneness that all others derive life, meaning, and purpose. The creation account points to a good, wise, and loving God. He could have skipped making the universe altogether. He didn't need to. He chose to. He chose to create it on purpose for a purpose. God's creating purpose wasn't done haphazardly or with randomness. There was an orderliness to his creation process. And so as we pick up the text with verse 3, you're going to notice that rhythm developing, that poetic flow that scripture has here. And it starts with God speaking and then that part of creation coming to be. The power of the word went forth. God then assesses, gives an evaluation, and declares it to be good. And so at times, God names the part of his creation, and then the day ends and is numbered. And so this rhythm carries the reader along in the text. So again, verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heaven. God called the space sky. And evening passed and morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so the dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. 
God called the dry ground land and the waters sea, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced fruits or plants and trees of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening passed and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, let us appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day, the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came marking the fifth day. Then God said, let all the earth produce, or let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And this is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was one of his purposes of creating was so that God could display his glory think of it even the natural world just by being points us to the creator to a good wise and loving God Psalm 19.1 says the heavens proclaim the glory of God and the skies display his craftsmanship. Author and pastor Andy Stanley suggests in his starting point book, he says, consider the night sky with its endless kaleidoscope of stars and planetary bodies drifting in clusters far beyond what our minds can imagine. Or our own ecosystem, which will sustain life for many thousands of years beyond what any of us will live. Or our bodies, which play host to thousands of microscopic miracles every time we take a breath or open our eyes or touch the hand of someone we love. If we'll consider any of those things, how could we not marvel at all that is that is around us? The beauty of creation, the vastness that cannot even be comprehended, and yet the intricate function of the universe. God revealed his glory when he created on purpose. That was part of his purpose. God also chose to create a place where he could dwell and fellowship 
and fulfill his purpose for mankind. God created the heavens and the earth to have a place to dwell with us. In fact, he had us in mind before he even made the world. The creation account points to a good, wise, and loving God. Continuing in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, we read of the pinnacle of God's creation. The Bible says in verse 26, Then God said, Let us, that's where we see the Trinity coming back into play again with the pronoun that's plural, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The pinnacle of God's creation is mankind, is us. God's evaluation of creation was upgraded to very good. But before we get all puffed up about ourselves being the pinnacle of God's creation, it would be good for us to remind ourselves that we had nothing to do with it. Had nothing to do with our efforts at all. It's all due to the fact that God made us in his image. Of course, when we think about God making us in his image, we have to remember that it is just a, a figurative um, way of saying that we are, are like God because God doesn't have a human form. It's just a figurative way of saying it. Of course, with the exception of the Son of God, of course, Jesus who took on human flesh, God doesn't have a human form. Whether male or female, being in God's image means that we share, though imperfectly and finitely, we share in God's nature. God designed us with a body, with a soul and a spirit. He gave us a mind. He gave us emotions and a will so that we could have the capacity to have spiritual fellowship with him. God created humans so that he could have a loving personal relationship with us for all of eternity. He reflect or he, he created us so that we would reflect his his character through the, the fruit of the spirit in our lives. Of course, we know that to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We reflect his character when we display the fruit of the spirit. Genesis 1.31 reads, Then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. It wasn't until God created mankind that he declared his creative work to be very good. I believe that someone needs to hear this this morning. You are part of God's creation. And he declared his work to be very good. And so if you're feeling this morning of little value or you're feeling, have feelings of, of worthlessness, remember that God made you for a reason. 
to bring him glory through worship, to reflect his image, to be in relationship with him. And he is a good, wise, and loving creator. He loves you. While, of course, all of God's creation is good and is purposeful, humankind is that pinnacle of God's creation. We are made in his image. God the creator created us on purpose and gave us a purpose. Turning back to our companion book, Turner writes, he says, perhaps he created us last as a testament to our inherent dignity saving the best for last, so to speak. Or perhaps it was so that we wouldn't try to tell him where to put things. That might have some merit, for some of us anyway. He continues, one thing is pretty clear. He didn't need our help. It may sound trite and overused, but it is true nonetheless. God is God and we are not. God created absolutely everything, and into this perfect garden of delight, he placed the man and eventually the woman, giving them dominion over everything else. God was to rule over them, and they were to rule over everything else. Which introduces my last point. We are to be in partnership with God. Genesis chapter 12, 128 Starts out with, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Yes, God is the author of sex, designed to be enjoyed within the wonderful covenant of marriage. We were created to form family relationships, demonstrating God's view of the importance of a godly family and the blessing that children are. God gave us the role of governing over creation as well, as verse 28 continues. Govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. We are to be in partnership with God. Now, some will have the literal work of tending the garden or raising livestock, or maybe their work is in uh, areas of natural resources or wildlife management. Regardless of what we do for actual work, though, we've all been given the responsibility to be good stewards over creation. Governing the earth and all that it is requires us to use our resources wisely. I do believe that God gave us resources to use but we want to be careful with them. We don't want to waste them. We want to use them wisely to care for it, to care for the animals that inhabit it. But of course, we're also supposed to care for other human beings because all human beings are part of God's creation as well. That means we're going to feed the hungry. We're going to visit the sick. We're going to encourage the downcast. We're going to stand up for those that are marginalized. God is still actively involved in his creation, but he wants us to be in partnership with him. We're going to share in a time of communion this morning in just a few minutes, 
But before we do that, I just want to close the message part of our, our service here. With the creation account being written to point us to God as the creator and for our eyes to see all that is around us, how could it not lead us in to worship and bringing God the glory that he so richly deserves? He created all of this on purpose. And part of why he created this is so that he could dwell here with us in fellowship. And so maybe this morning the question to you is, how is your fellowship with God? Are you taking time to spend time with him and appreciate him for all that he has done? As you spend time in creation, are you thanking him for the beauty that he has placed around us? Or as we get up in the morning and our bodies still function to at least some degree, are we thanking him for giving us bodies that sustain life and allow us to accomplish what he sets before us? When we do the things that he sets before us, do we do it with a heart of gratitude, wanting to do it with excellence, wanting to to bring him glory through all that we do when he gives us work for our hands. God wants to be in relationship with us. He wants that fellowship. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, I don't have it up on the the screen this morning. But I alluded to this just a, a few minutes ago. It reads, even before he made the world... God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. See, that's, Adam and Eve were made faultless, but we know that they fell, as all of mankind did. But God loved us and chose us before he even made the world. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure, Scripture says. It gave him great great pleasure to create a place so that he could dwell with us. That's amazing. God, so big and so powerful to make everything well beyond what we can see. And yet he wants to have with us personally. May it be a good reminder for us to give him the glory every single day. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you don't know what it means to have fellowship with God, just ask. Say, God, I just want to give my life to you because I want that fellowship. I see other people experiencing that fellowship. I want that fellowship too. Just invite him into your heart. Just say, God, I need you. I turn from my ways and I accept yours. It's simple. If you want help with that, I'm certainly more than available as well. Well, as we move into communion this morning, I just want the challenge to be rolling around in our minds, to give the glory and, pray God, glory and praise to God in, in everything that we do. He created all of this. And we're the pinnacle of his creation. And he's actively working and moving in our lives. And he has a purpose for us. 
to partnership with him and caring for the earth.